I see you, James. I see you as well, sir. Do you want to know what I just realized? Yeah. We use, is it fine what, if I say what program we use to chat and record with? Of course. Soundtrap, get a dark mode. Like, oh, it does it, have one. It does? Where do yes. I change that? Oh, up top where it says share and exit studio in the right hand corner, there's a little sun and a little moon. Just turn it to a little moon. Okay, well, mine has none of that, sir, so... <laughs> Wait, can you... Is you? Are you in dark mode right now? Always, baby. What the hell? How do I go into dark mode? I don't... Well, first off, you, you listen to Sweet Child of Time. We usually get dark at some point. <laughs> okay. So you're well, in the right place. Uh, uh, hey, and speaking of dark mode, I, man, what, we, what we'll be discussing later, I have... He like strong opinions on. Oh, fantastic. Wheel of Time related. We're talking. Yes. Awesome. OK, cool. No, I'm talking about Bongo's original release of Radioactive Man. <laughs> that comic is bitching, man. I, I, I want to reread it. I can't believe I don't still have it. It was. Sorry, it, I don't understand. Oh, shoot. <laughs> is, is that Siri going off? Yeah, she doesn't understand is what she just told me. <laughs> I wonder what you said. Oh, the series you said. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, nice, to have a, nice to have a guest on the podcast. Thank you very much, Siri. Is she going to? No. No. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, it's insane that, especially now with Disney Plus, maybe Matt Groening has like some stipulation and he's like, no, I don't want to do spinoff series, but they did the like baby Maggie shorts. Why has there not been, and it would be perfect if they did it in the same style that these uh, Radioactive Man comic series was. Why has there not been a series for TV? I don't know. Maybe because it's just like hugely successful on its own and they don't want to diverge from that. But now that you mention it, sure, they should have had like a, a Lenny show spinoff or a Moe spinoff or... They could have gone in so many different directions. You're right. I, okay, no, no, no. I I don't think that. They did for the comic books, and those those one-off comics were fantastic, especially the Ralph Wiggum one. Ooh, baby, was so good. But they – so with this original six mini series, six-issue miniseries, it was because Radioactive Man ca- canonically had been around since like the 50s mm-hmm. or 60s, each issue was a different decade. right. And they were spoofing the style and themes of the time during those the, those decades. That's what they should do for this cartoon series. They should do ah. like six episodes and one is in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. And it's what did comic book superhero cartoons look like and what themes did they tackle in each of those decades? Dang, man, sounds like some uh, some fan stuff has to go down here. You got to do some fan comics or some uh, some fan fiction, buddy. Because yeah, that's not going to happen for you. That's a great idea, though. We just got to make it happen ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but we couldn't make it happen. We would need to make the TV show. Mm, we can barely make a podcast. So I don't know about a TV show. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> don't say we here. <laughs> Well, who hung up on who at the beginning here? <laughs> Again, that's because we're using this white as hell, blaring in my eyeball sound trap. Okay, it's well known that I'm an amateur here. I use amateur equipment. I have 
beginner apps that I'm using for podcasting. You are a professional, you have professional gear, you have professional software, which you have shared with me, but I haven't figured out how to use yet. So we're the yin and the yang. So just kind of, kind of take what you can get. You know, there's going to be something fantastic after everything terrible. It's just the way it is. It's a turning of the wheel. Yeah. And speaking of being you're saying you're kind of amorish, amateurish, I guess is the, the correct <laughs> sure. word. I am not good at talking, even though I do a lot of it. The <laughs> We might be an amateur podcast, but we're making moves to go up in the world. Heck yes, man. One move we made is we had a nice little handshake deal with a company called Synergy Network. Oh, baby. Synergy Nation Network. Sweet Shot of Time is on that network right now, and that's how everybody's listening. SinNation.net. We had some handshake deals. We there was a few things that that we asked of them, which they were they were happy to do for us. So they're going to be uh, promoting our podcast. They're going to be advertising it. We're going to be on their streams. Um, I'm going to have a Discord channel under their Discord. So these are these are just things that we asked for that that they gave that they gave to us, which is great. When it came into negotiations, though, they wanted some things from us that I was not quite willing to say yes to. First off, they wanted a a super hot pepper challenge with James McCollum. They didn't want any water, any milk on site. They were like, just let him burn, babe. We're going to see how far he can go. Hey, I, I like, never, I did I, not have milk last time. Oh, well, they want to go I believe it further. was silk, wasn't it? Uh, no, I had chocolate milk. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Chip chop. So yeah, I was like, nah, I can't speak for James. I'm not sure about that. They were like, what about like an OnlyFans account that we can, you know, we can be the moderators of and we can like tell you guys and you know what to post on each day. And I was like, I that sounds a little iffy too. How about if we just, you know, put out our podcast and we try to be engaging and we be your friends. I agreed to be friends with them. I hope that's okay. I was like, you know, Lucian I, and Benicio, I'll, I'll be friendly to you. That's what I told them. Is that okay? Was that overstepping my boundaries? I mean, I feel whatever you did is understepping boundaries because mine was not a handshake deal. A notary <laughs> was involved. I don't know. What the fuck? Well, we had to work out a deal with you because it's a conflict of interest. You're a part of the Marshland Media Empire, MLMPod.com. Is that correct? Correct. I was like, are you going to get the email or the URL incorrect, sir? I'm not. MLMPod.com. So because we have a conflict of interest here, you cannot be part of two media network empires. So you we absolutely had to make can. Sure well, not in this case, sir. <laughs> so we had Chris get- was getting checks from four different labels, if I remember those lyrics correctly. Hmm. Who is this ludicrous now? Oh, my God. He's obviously the sidekick villain in Bible Man. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, Lud- yes Chris. I got you now. Okay. I know him as Chris. I forgot. But... We're just going to take what we can get. Lucian and Benicio over there at the Synergy Nation Network have graciously agreed to let us be part of this. And we have graciously accepted, James. I accepted on your behalf. I, of course, talked to you about this first. Well, do you consider um, chatting on Discord? Is that talking or what do you consider that? Yeah, that's communication. Communication. We talked about it. (laughs) 
so yeah, from now on, we're going to be hanging with those guys. They'll be hanging with us. Um, I might have two Discord channels now. I'm still going to have my little sweet child of time under the Marshland Media Discord. And I'm going to have another little sweet child of time over here at the... Uh, at the Synergy Nation Network Discord, too. It's sweet. Am I Two in that Discord? Say again? Am I in that Discord? Yes, you are, sir. Okay. Remember I sent you a link for that so we could uh, hopefully take part in the Deathcast together. I thought that was the we- that's the Weekly Geekly one. Yes, the Weekly Geekly um, and Deathcast kind of fall under the same banner. They're both run by Lucian, and he's been doing the Weekly Geekly for a very long time, and Deathcast is kind of like a like a radioactive man kind of a spinoff from mm-hmm. the weekly geekly and uh let's see what can i say about that this network has got shows right up our alley man they got um a show called the most rad nerd that's with benicio who's the other head of it talk comics to me uh they got after the credits where they talk about movies they got go rpgs a video game podcast lucian loves to play games and review them and he loves review games that he hasn't actually played. <laughs> there was one podcast that he did one of those. Um, they have one where it's thoughts and shots. I think we'll never, ever go on that podcast because we're a toteedler. Is that what you say? Toteedlers? Where we uh, don't drink? To- to- teetotaler. Teetotalers. We're teetotalers over here. We don't drink any of that alcohol crap. But they do over there. Take shots now. and do podcasts. If it's thoughts, as in T H O T, that hoe over there, and shot as like, hey, I'm finna shoot my shot, neither of us would be on that either because we're we would not. happily in relationships. <laughs> so maybe we'll be hanging out with some of those other podcasts there. But yeah, it's been a pretty big week when it comes to that. Um, at the beginning of the show, you probably heard me talking about sinnation.net. Did I say that right the time? Let's see. Yeah, I did. Sendnation. Hell yeah, Steve. I always get it right. Sendnation.net. <laughs> but yeah, the rest of my week has been uh, pretty nutsy too, but I'll throw to you though, man, because I've been talking too much. How has your week been, James? It's been fine. I can't remember really anything. We watched uh, Return of the Killer Tomatoes for the first time, and Nicole was pissed at anyone and everyone who recommends her movies and for them (laughs) never recommending this one to her. And I know this is going to sound weird, listeners, but Nicole likened it to the feeling she got when first watching Frogs starring Chuck Norris. Of like, wow... It's it's. I think Frog sucks. I do, like this. I've never is, heard of it. It's it's not good, but Nicole loves it. It's one of those movies. It's a monster creature movie where it's like, oh, they're killer frogs. Frogs never kill anyone, from my knowledge. <laughs> it's like snakes and alligators in a bayou going after. It's also has a environmental message. It's like late seventies, early eighties, I believe. The only way a frog can do something to you is if you lick it, and then you might get high or something, but I don't think they can kill you. Sir, there there are notable, like notorious for being poisonous throughout some nations. Oh, well, not notorious to me, I suppose. I thought you licked frogs and like got like a psychedelic high off of them or something. At least I saw a cartoon where somebody did that. Uh, yes, I <laughs> actually saw a cartoon last night of someone do it. It was on The Simpsons yet again. <laughs> 
<laughs> they love licking frogs in the sim. Why are we talking about the Simpsons? Is this the Simpsons cast? I think it turned into it at some point. Man, people who say, oh, Simpsons hasn't been good since 1997 <laughs> or whatever bullshit. Fuck you. Simpsons is every single Simpsons is good. Every single Simpsons episode at least has something good in it. I mean, I've never seen a Simpsons episode that I thought was a total dud. There's mm-hmm, always mm-hmm. at least a, a funny B storyline or a funny couple of jokes in there. Never sucking. I agree. I would say first season uh, gets a pass at kind of just like yeah. being like, yeah, it's okay. It a pilot season. Yeah. But then every single one after that, they're good. <laughs> yeah, the first season was the old Homer. <clears throat> I think I, I do my like my Mike Mitchell version of the Homer, which is, come here, boy. <laughs> that old Homer style. <laughs> Here's my Bart Simpson. Okay. Cowabunga, dude. <laughs> that's definitely first season part. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's my Stewie Griffin. Oh, I don't. Okay, all right. Cross reference. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to go for sincerity because I can do a pretty good. <laughs> Is that Marge Simpson? That's Marge either being mad or being pleased at something. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Man, there was an episode this season where she, like, takes off her necklace, and I'm like, oh, my God, I need to jack off right now. It was insane, her just taking off her necklace. She looks nude without it. I'm like, it. I felt like a... Uh, like a man in the early 1800s seeing an ankle. I'm like, oh, my never. Oh, Look at that neck collar. Yeah, you told, I heard an interesting fact about like, speaking of her necklace is like, you, it was you I heard it from, dang it. <laughs> you were talking about how the, uh, on Hanna-Barbera, the heads are interchangeable because like that's why they have like necklaces, mm-hmm. kerchiefs, turtlenecks, things like that to save money on animation. So everything from the neck up um, is animated and everything from the neck down is stationary. Is that right? Or the other yeah, way sometimes around? Like they're, sometimes their bodies are not cell animated. Like they're just not cells or it's this one stagnant cell. So they could get away with uh, easily, quickly just animating <laughs> the head instead of the entire body. Yeah, I love those scenes when it shows like Fred and Barney, they're running and it's 30 seconds of them having dialogue as they're running, but the only thing that's changing is their feet mm-hmm. and their mouths. Everything else is completely stationary. Yeah. But it's a theater of the mind. We all loved it as kids. We didn't care about that. The end. Yeah. <laughs> my week, if you were going to ask about my week, James, which you, you, you're free to go ahead and do so if you'd like. Hey, uh-huh. Steve, how the mm-hmm. fuck was your week? Ooh, it's been a week and a half. I've been doing some traveling and importantly, been doing some practicing. Finally got together with Sam. Um, he's the fella that I play drums with at Introvoid. The fella, my best friend. He's my life partner. Um, got to go to his house and play some drums and guitar. And me and Heather, I think, have had like three Rebecca Crow practices this past week. Mm-hmm. Entered that Jack White um, contest with, yep. our, with our cover song. We covered offend in every way and we just got like a participation award you know but that that was special (laughs) oh my god these fucking millennials and their participation (laughs) awards they have been giving out participation awards since 1940 look it up (laughs) Uh, what what are you tracking those drums on sir 
we didn't do any recording. We just did some playing because we haven't played together in the same room for like two months. And so we just we just jammed and learned some songs. When you track those drums, what will you be tracking them on, sir? It will probably be on sound trap in the dark mode. Oh, so you're just using one mic? Oh, oh, well, we haven't even began setting up doing any drum recording. Okay. It's, it's like we only have one song that has Sam's drums, and that is Stoned Broke, which we released maybe like three months back. And it sounds pretty good, despite the fact that we only used two mics and neither one of the mics were placed properly. <laughs> okay. But it still sounds OK, though. I don't know how. See, is this is Steve what you got to do. You got to get two overheads. One on the kick, one on the snare, one on the hi-hat, and then two room mics so you can stereo those bitches. I mean, we got the equipment there. Did I mention that he, um, his employment is at Acoustic First, which is a business here in Richmond that, has, that supplies acoustical equipment uh, for studios, churches, mosques, etc. Hell yeah. And they've been in the business of, uh, well, not acoustics first but his family has been in the recording business since the 70s so they have every kind of recording thing you could you could dream of and sam is very proficient at setting up you know drum mics but when i'm in charge i like to keep it simple okay (laughs) then you want to know i roll (laughs) let's also get a couple mics for those toms so you don't need to just be uh, dependent on those overheads and I, you want to know what? Let's mic the back or the front, whatever you call it, of the kick. So you get the slappiness of it where the hammer goes on and the back side of it when that boom comes out. I mean, you want to take the, all the fun out of our playing? I just want to set the mics up as quickly as possible and get right to jamming. All right, fine. Uh, then all you need is one on the snare, two overheads and one on the kick. One of the, okay, a four. That's the most I could possibly do because I only have four plugins in my computer to plug in four mics. So that's that's the maximum I can do right there. I thought you're, he has means to record, I thought. If I wanted to get into the really uh, high-tech end of things, then sure, we could go there. But He'll get into the high-tech end of things. He is kind of like a James in the respect that like, he's like, yeah, Steve, I'll play along, but I'll just show up and record my end of the podcast or I'll just show up and play my drums. Um, he has no interest in doing anything beyond that. Okay. So anything well, else is up to me. When it comes to music, I, uh, I'll say I'll bring over the Tascam 1800 and <laughs> max eight microphones. Anything more, <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> You want to know what? I might need some cables from you as well, so bring some XLRs. Oh, my gosh. Boxes upon boxes of cables. You want for none. (laughs) Don't you worry. (laughs) And there you go. We got it. Also, I'll say bring your own fucking headphones. That's one thing I don't play around with, man. I'm glad I have an extra set now because I got this new set that's in my ears right now, and I got my old set, which kind of sucks, but at least, you know, the old set is something and Mm -hmm. then i have so many like even worse pairs than that but yeah we're set man hey 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 you we're listening to music right now did you realize this the whole time we've been talking we've been listening to some music underneath of us i didn't 
it's it's right there playing. I mean, how can you not? Everybody else hears it except for you. But anyway, if you want to know what we're listening to, we are listening to Cosmic Abyss. He does dungeon synth music. He being Corey Strait, which I think would be a fantastic name for a country singer, right? Corey Strait? Yeah. Corey Strait and the good old boys. But no, Okay, he's not Cosmic. the good old boys. Oh, that sounds... <laughs> um, Corey Strait and the Cosmic Abyss Bunch. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've been listening to a couple of songs. We've listened to Dreams. We've been listening to Spirit of Cold. I want to tell you a little bit something about, about Corey Strait, by the way. Um, besides his cool-ass name, and he does Dungeon Synth, which we're listening to. Uh, he recorded this album back during the pandemic, October 2021, and it's an album in three parts. Um, and, you know, I, I relate to this fella a whole lot. Uh, we have much in common. Um, he was going through some dark times when he recorded this album. Uh, if you check out this album on Bandcamp, all the liner notes are there about, you know, what, you know, what he was dealing with at each record, but it, you know, it was his father's death and mm-hmm. he was grappling with that. And then, you know, that the third act is a little bit of acceptance, but you know, still bitterness. Um, it's fantastic. The whole thing, uh, it's there on Bandcamp. Look at the link, look at the show notes. And it's right there. We're going to hear Corey as we're playing here. But at the end, I, I was going to say I was, uh, I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to say I, this today is June 10th. Did you realize that? I sure did. Yes. June 10th is an important date for music as well because a certain single is coming out uh, by a fellow named Marshland Monster. He did a collab with Dragon Boy Suede, and we're going to hear that entire song too. After this next song by Corey fades out, I'm going to fade our voices out and we're going to pump right in to their new single. It's called Indica Inch. And I happen to have Marshland Monster in the studio with me right now. Hey, Marsh, how's it going? Hi, my name's James. Hey, tell us about your new song you got, buddy. It's called Indica Inch. Is that correct? It is. It's when, you know, you're getting stoned and whatnot. And I truly thought this was going to be a just me issue, but oh boy. And so did Nicole. (laughs) Nicole's like, yeah, this is a stupid thing that happens to you because you are a hypersexual individual, but explaining it to people, they're like, oh man, I know the struggle, dude. And then I'm like, I see Nicole, I'm universal. Goddamn Orlando (laughs) fucking E.T., okay? So it's when you get stoned and you want to relax and then you get horny and you're like, oh, what do I do? Do I deal with this or just wait it out? I, okay, because I knew the subject matter beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I was under the impression the song was called Indica Itch. Like I'm itching to go get some relief right now. So what is Indica Inch referring to then? Your penis. Oh, it's just one inch long. No, like like that's like that's slang for penis. Like, hey, my inch, you know. Oh, I I, I didn't know. I should go look up the uh, the Urban Dictionary right now. <laughs> you know, like hag hag, and the angry inch. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hagrid and the. <laughs> Is that what you said? Hedwig? Yeah, there we go. Thank you. I've seen the movie. I love the movie. 
I haven't seen it in a long time. I absolutely loved it. And then when I started watching um, A.D. Bryant's new show, um, which is called uh, Film Human Resources. No, her old show. <laughs> Starts with an S. That's correct. Anyway, uh, the dude from Hedwig and the Angry Inch plays her boss on that show. Oh, and hell yeah. I had like about uh, three episodes in where I was like, where do I know this guy from? Was he in Kids in the Hall? That's what I kept thinking because he looks like a Kids in the Hall kind of guy. But nope, he's from Hedwig. He kicks ass. But yeah, so we're going to drop out right now. We're going to stop everything and listen to Indica Inch before we pop back in here. All right, James? Let's get her done. Done. My girl left me home alone. Hit the Indica and now I'm stoned. Half of me just wants to chill. The other half's got a load to spill. My upper part wants to chillax. My lower part wants out my slacks. This indecision's bugging me. Watch Pornhub or smoke more weed. I got two needs need to fulfill. Should I chill or should I spill? I got two needs need to fulfill. Should I chill or should I spill? Hit the hub and rub a dub. Pack a bowl, smoke another nut. Rip the bong, take a massive hit. Pick a clip and let it rip. was hype thank you so much man i appreciate it let me play that no problem and shrill was the tv series we were thinking of shrill of course man that show really kicked ass i loved it did you watch it i watched the first episode or two and i was like i i don't think this is for me yeah well i mean i watch a lot of shows like that this one it just happened to keep going and i think it really clicked with me around episode six or seven i think like the uh it took like a plot turn that really caught my interest and that's when i continued watching for the duration of the show all right it happens and sometimes i give a show a chance like that a lot of times i'll just like pop on a show i don't like the the cinematography i'm like nope i'm not gonna give it 30 seconds because i automatically know i don't, don't like this Ooh, baby are we going into our show today or what yeah, why the heck not, man? Um, I wasn't ready for it, but I got notes. Why the heck not? We're talking about Wheel of Time. We've already recapped 
all of the episodes. You got to go back to our old episodes to check those out because we recapped one by one. We're up here on episode 19 right now and we're watching the origin stories. So there were six origin stories that were included in with Wheel of Time, kind of DVD extras, except for their Amazon Prime extras. And they kicked ass. They were done by this animation company called MPC Episodic. And I'm a big fan of this animation style. I like it. Uh, What about you? What did you think of this animation style? Cartoons are a visual audio medium. Oh, baby. And this show fails at both. This (laughs) Sucked hard. <laughs> there is no reason these need to exist. <laughs> Batman the Animated Series was drawn on black paper. This show is somehow darker and incoherent <laughs> more than something truly made from darkness. I loved it. I thought the animation was wonderful. I thought maybe the whole show could have done it, been done in this style and I oh. would have been so pleased. I God loved it. No. <laughs> you can't dis- you can't see anything and okay you know about side chain compression correct uh, yes 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 okay so if you don't know about it it's when it, a compressor for audio purposes you set a threshold to say like hey if volume gets above this threshold we're going to duck it down this much mm-hmm. for a vo- like our voices we're, we're there's going to be compression on that so it rounds things out but what you can do and people do this in voiceover a lot when there's a bed of music in the background you can make the music threshold it to the voice meaning the compressor is working with your voice so when you start talking it will duck down the audio uh, automatically you don't need to do it manually this okay. show does the opposite of that when the bass rumble starts going the vocals get pushed down it like it, everything about this did not make sense in my mind <laughs> well okay these were done by mpc episodic this is a company that has also done uh prehistoric planet They've done uh, Foundation, uh, they did the HBO show Raised by Wolves, um, they were written by Rami Park. I I like this scritchy, scratchy style of just the, um, it kind of gives, I, I, what I liked a whole lot was when they were showing the Trolloc battle and they were showing like a lot of like the, a big army of Trollocs and it was just a big rush of scribbles and scrabbles and just a... I don't know. I I like that style. Instead of seeing something nice and clean with a bold outline and colored nice. No, that's the issue. You can't see anything. That's that's right. I could see things. (laughs) I would enjoy this. But there is so much darkness. And Nicole said it's muddy. And I describe this as if you were to pour strong coffee on a copy (laughs) of the frog and the toad in a dusty uh, antique shop like it's it's so incoherent to my 
eyes and I didn't even have my thick blue blockers on like this. This was straight up what I was watching. I was paying attention and speaking of trying to watch it. Amazon, just like labor, does not want to unionize these origin stories. You have to like go back to like episode zero and they're not all in a row. Just make them it like if you search Wheel of Time, there should be another area where it says Wheel of Time origins. So Amazon, make it easy. Maybe they weren't confident in how these were and they were trying to bury them. Just like know. this animation studio was trying to bury any visuals <laughs> in muddiness. <laughs> I was going to warn you about the uh, the format, not the format of the cartoons, but like the way that their the origins are kind of lined up and mixed in with everything else. But I, I didn't. I figured you would figure it out. I wasn't going to try to baby you through it. But you're right. You're absolutely right. It it is kind of difficult to navigate through them. You have to go to. You have to fiddle around with the the up and down button a lot to keep going back to season mm-hmm. one season one extras and then fiddle around through those but if you go on the app on your phone there's actually like it's wheel of time episodes one through eight and then it's like another show wheel of time origins and it's episode one through six and it's lined up just like a regular tv show on your phone on the phone app but you know, that's how I originally first watched them. And that's why I, how I originally first even thought of this idea for us to talk about them was because I was like, oh, there's a whole nother show about this. And I thought each episode was like 15 minutes. Turns out each episode is like three minutes. But well, um, I, I was happy about that. <laughs> they gave us a lot of history, though, and that's really what I want to go into. So I guess we already know how we feel about the animation so let's just go into the writing and the stories if that's okay also i do want to say this is beautiful when it is well lit every other time it's just it's you can't see anything and and a lot there is so much where i'm like i think this is just darkness like there's nothing actually going on (laughs) yeah yeah well in the couple scenes it was and yeah the way they start each one starts out with like a black page some scritchy scratches across it. And it's like 10 seconds of that before it even starts. So it, eh. and that bass rumble, that's just constantly going through every single. Yeah. But it flushes out the audio of someone speaking, telling us the reason (laughs) for what we are watching. This is learning origins of things in this world. (laughs) That's why we have my podcast because we know the origin stories failed. So we're going to succeed where they failed. I'm going to start with um, the first one that I watched. I don't know if this is the first one you watched or not. Do you mind if I flip around or do you want to guide the conversation here? Uh, Let's just see if we have the correct order. Uh, The first one I watched was about the Ogiers. Oh, no. I have the greatest warder, the Ogier one, breaking of the world, Satan, Sadar Stone, the full matineer, and then the White Tower. That's how it was organized on the TV app. Okay, let's start with the uh, greatest warder then. All right. Um, he's a man named Jerome. We know, <laughs> we know that. I get him. Oh, yeah, he says his name is Jerome Gaydon. And first off, one of the things that I liked about this was it showed, like, you know, the warders in training, showed them fighting, and it showed them cursing. The curse words in the Wheel of Time world are... Blood and bloody, which is like UK, which is fine. They say ashes and ashes is supposed to be a bad word. Um, And they say light a lot and saying light is kind of like saying, God damn it. 
um, because you're taking the the light in vain. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we hear them cursing. They're saying these curse words a lot. Um, and the reason that the greatest warder in the world is the greatest warder is because not only has he won every battle that he's been part of, he's a man up with great prowess with his sword. I like how they emphasize that a lot. But he is humble enough to know when he's defeated. And he was defeated by basically a nobody. It's the story of Eight Mile. It's a it's a a big time warrior getting beat down by a scrappy young upstart or a scrappy old upstart who uh just can hold his own with a stick and can beat a warder. Mm-hmm. And so that's an important lesson that they tell every warder because every warder thinks that he's the ultimate badass. Lan he thinks he's the ultimate badass. Steppen thought the same thing about himself too. Everybody did. So in order to keep those guys in check, it's like you may be a badass. You may have beaten every battle, but eventually you're going to come across some old man with a stick in the middle of nowhere and he's going to kick your ass. So you got to be ready for that and watch out for that. Mm-hmm. So basically that's the whole story behind the waters. It's just a, a tale of being humble. Don't get too full of yourself. A tale as old as time. <laughs> Baking with some yeast. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't really have much else to say about the greatest water. Do you have anything else on that one? No, it was just very incoherent. Eh, It was. But, you know, I love the animation style. I love watching them train. What was the next one you saw after that? An Ogier's Longing. Uh, this might have been my favorite one just because of the uh, the guy who was doing the talking. And I liked how anytime he ended a sentence that ended with the letter S, he would add an H to it. Low gear. <laughs> he had that way of talking. Mm-hmm. And I dug that a lot. Um, I thought this was like a nice children's book brought to life. I This one was yeah. my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I like the way they pulled like that boat out of the tree to show that like this is how we make things out of trees. And here you go, little humans. Which is, are Ogier Santa's elves just sucking (laughs) out dumb toys from trees? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Uh, They work with their hands a lot. I think that was was uh, an oversimplification of how they make a boat, I gotta say. I have a question. Oh, please. Can Ogier's channel... Mm, don't okay. know of any ogiers that can channel because um, they they said like in the where are they from? They're from the Steadings. They they said in the Steadings you there was no channeling there, right? So the Steadings are a place where they're all they live there. That's where they want to be, and if they wander too far away, they're brought back by the longing. That's what they keep calling the longing, which is like if you stay out in the world too long, get too much adventure. You got to head back home to get recharged in the steading. The steading is also a place where if you're being chased by somebody who can channel, you can go in the steading because nobody can channel in there. So you're 100% safe from any channeling. You're 100% safe from the dark one. Whoa. Or any of his minions because like that's all magic. It can't get in there. Hell yeah. They reminded me a lot of Gorgonites from Small Soldiers. Hmm. Sorry. Goes over my head. Okay. Well, you should watch. Small Soldiers is dope, guys. Watch it. Okay. Uh, it it's the dude who did Gremlins did this. Joe Dante? Yes. 
Yeah, these, this reminds me of the Redwood Forests, too, when they were in the trees. Um, I have a couple friends when we were in high school. Uh, after they graduated, they, they I wouldn't say they ran away because they were 18 year old adults, but mm-hmm. they they headed out without any kind of plan or any kind of money or anything <laughs> headed to California and ended up staying in the redwoods and camping out in the redwoods for a couple of weeks before they got a place to stay, which, you know, to us back here in Virginia, it sounded very like um, appealing, very like, you know, hardcore too. Whoa, you guys are like living in the redwood forests while you're out there in California. But really they were just homeless. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, still badass. They, they made their way eventually and I'm jealous of them that they got to do that. I've always, anytime I see like the Redwoods, which we see the Redwood Forest a lot in um, the original Star Wars trilogy, that's where they f- had Endor. Mm. Always makes you think about my friends Mikey and Gabe. So this made me think about them too. And you th- you think about them daily then because you're constantly rewatching <laughs> a new, or the, the Return of the Jedi. Every day, every day. Uh, I didn't really have much else written down here. They're, they're, master masons they they build all the cool buildings for the humans like all the cool architecture is done by ogiers um i don't know any other questions or you want to move on let's move on baby to which one next one is breaking of the world right well this one was important why don't you why don't you tell me what uh what you pulled from this and i'll tell you yes or no I, I will. I think this started in the. How many ages are there? Uh, three. We are in the third age with Rand and all them. Oh, I could have swore they said something about the fourth age. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I. Whatever. <laughs> three or four. Let's just say three or four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm uh you talk because I'm okay. currently Okay, never mind. I I got what I was I was looking at. So <laughs> what happened is the dark one brought upon the breaking or did the dragon bring upon it? Um it was kind of a involuntary response. What LTT who was loose there in Teleman thought he was doing was just imprisoning the dark one in a prison. Everything's all good because he's in a prison. He's sealed away. But then he like, in response, he was right there at the eye of the world, which is the the source of their magic. Mm-hmm. So he tainted that source at that oh. time. He made <clears throat> all men who can channel go mad. So lose Theron Telamon, the good guy, the dragon reborn, was went crazy with this craziness. And killed everybody in his court, including his wife and kids, and then broke the world. That's when the Dark One, like, took the veil off of uh, Luz's eyes and was like, look what I made you do. (laughs) Ha ha. And so, you know, all the guys who channel from here on are madmen. And that's what, okay, so that scene that we see in the past when he's talking Mm -hmm. to his wife and, like, comforting Mm -hmm. his child in the crib, that holds a lot more weight knowing that he will eventually murder them. Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was not his wife. That was the Armorillon seat. That was his um, ally, you know, co-worker, companion. Oh, His wife – I thought it was his wife, too. Okay. And then I realized, I was like, wait, his wife's name is Ileana, and this woman's name is Latra. So, obviously, it's not the same person. I thought they were one and the same. I thought his wife was also the seat. 
Well, I think that was my mistake. Okay. Um, they didn't really, they didn't clarify that on the show at all. So that's why it made it seem like it was husband and wife talking there in the nursery with their baby. Mm-hmm. But really that was his house, his baby, his nursery. Armorill and Seat came in there to, you know, talk to him. And it, then she left. It was so. whose house? <laughs> it was Lou's house. And it's, he, he's, <laughs> he's done my friend. And then he's killing your friends. I don't know, guys. <laughs> but yeah, it's basically all their fault. Um, Luz thought he was doing the right thing and he screwed up. He screwed up big time. And so that's where we are, where we are now. Uh, I don't think there's really much else to say about that except for this happened. Th- this lasted, this breaking event lasted for a hundred years. Yes. And then they eventually, they say gentled all the, all the male channelers. Um, that's a pretty, grandiose term for you know sucking sucking the magic out of them stealing them um causes death eventually Mm -hmm. uh so gentling is a very nice term for that i liked how they said that uh that their lives now are shaped by this great loss and i thought that was a completely profound statement i loved it that's the reason i like stuff like the wheel of time because it, it just made me think about that on a more simplistic term about how a lot of people's lives are shaped by a mm-hmm. great loss that happened, you know, but maybe before they were born, maybe when they were a child and it just shaped their entire lives. And that's where the Aes Sedai are now. You know, when we started this, I used to think like, man, the Aes Sedai are just brutal when it comes to stealing <laughs> all these men and whatnot. But it it's technically uh react. No, not reaction. What's the if it's not reactionary, like when you. You go for a checkup. What what kind of those things are it? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, not precautionary. Uh, <laughs> Preactionary. Whatever that word is called. That's what they're doing <laughs> just for murderers because all men who can channel will eventually just murder until they're murdered. Yeah. And it's the Reds who, who are going around doing this, too. It's not all Aes Sedai. We're talking about we're, we're seeing the Reds do that. No, I um, saw Meringue stab someone and kill a man. <laughs> Meringue could just kill a man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what's the next one that you saw then? Sidon, Sidar, Stone. There we go. Um, not, a, not a whole lot is really learned in this one. Um, except for, yeah, that's what the two magic sources are called. And the re- the way that I memorized it really easily, because some people get Sidar and Sidan confused. Um, I always think of Sidan like Satan, and then I think Satan's a man. So that's the men's side. And then Sidar is the woman's side. So that's how I remember. Um, if it sounds like Satan, then it's the man's side. <laughs> See, I always think of it, it's Sidin, sounds kind of like Den, that's where Daddy hangs out, and Sidar, <laughs> that's like um, Mommy's waiting in the darkness ready to stab Daddy. Oh yeah, okay, that works, I'll remember that every time I, I get confused, <laughs> I'll like that better. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a, a, a good Dar thing, so I was like, I don't know. Uh, they, I like the way they always describe it as a river. And then we saw Egwene in the river episode one and they describe like the man's channeling as like, I guess like class five rapids and you can't control it at all. It's just wild and crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the women is more of like a 
a gentle stream that you're a part of and you allow yourself to be part of it. So, oh, and the, and the whole thing with the bud, they were talking about the bud and envisioning the bud. There was a lot of talk about envisioning the bud and embracing the source in these books. So it was nice. They, <laughs> they use that as their main example. I always envision the bud when I'm about to watch Chud 2. Yes. <laughs> bud the Chud. A movie that I still have not finished because I it it seems like it should be right up my alley. It's Chud, but a goofy comedy version. It's not that good. Yeah. I mean, usually movies like that, like by the first act, by the time the first act is done, I'm kind of done too because it's usually clear how the third act is going to end out. Yeah, it, it, but Ghoulies 3, guys. Ghoulies go to college. You gotta <laughs> watch it. <laughs> well, first we're going to watch some more Wheel of Time, of course. Are we going to be talking about King Amon next? Is that what's up? The Fall of Monterizin. What? The Fall of what? The Fall of Monetherin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That um, a couple interesting things about this one too. Uh, king Amon. They talk about King Amon is the one who is the um, the steadfast king, and this is another example of how you know uh, Robert Jordan and George R. R. Martin were buddies back in the day because they both have a King Amon, um, and they're both the King Amons are the ultimate leaders back in the original age in game of thrones it's aemon targaryen you know here we got this king aemon with his wife queen eldreen holding the red eagle banner and we better see the red eagle banner in the show at some point because it's symbolic but yeah this is the uh nation that turned into the two rivers eventually and my favorite scene from this is when they showed that demon devil thing hoisting that crown over his head I took a picture of that. I loved that shot. That was my favorite shot of all these things. Hell yeah. They said King Anus was battling during <laughs> relenting uh, relenting battles during the day and night. And I was like, this he's just battling relentless night right now because it is dark. <laughs> it is dark. And they, they mean, said... I, uh, I love the darkness. I think this is great. I thought you love the darkness. You've been talking about how you want to get away from the light and you want to be part of the dark one. How do you not embrace these cartoons? That's the, okay. <laughs> when you're watching like season one of Buffy so bad because it's like, who was the, who was in the lighting department for this show? <laughs> you could not see anything. Also, uh, doesn't get really much better, but at least you can see the shit happening on the screen instead of like, it, is this a bad show or is it just bad lighting? Hey guys, Buffy, it's just a bad show. So <laughs> I, I, you, I, you need to see what's going on, even though like we watched Titanic 666. We made the joke that there is a scene where the power goes out and they're like, everyone, get out your phones so we can turn on the flashlights there. And it's like, you guys do not need phones. The moonlight coming through, whatever. <laughs> like, you still need to be able to see even though you're, in quotes, in the dark. All right. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but they said this was a thousand years after the breaking, and I was wondering, what will the world be like? What will TV be like a thousand years post-breaking bad? Oh. 
I said that out loud and Nicole said, why are you this weird? What, what is this? I was like, it's a seminal TV show. It, 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 it made, yeah. it's why ding, dang, that guy, David Lynch came back to Twin Peaks and was like, Hey, I know what we can criticize and dissect here. It's this golden era of TV. It's a rare show too that like that ends uh, magnificently on a high note and then does a spinoff show and the spinoff show is somehow even better than the original show. I mean, it's 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 rare. It's very rare for that to happen, in my opinion. So I commend it. I got to watch all of that. Yeah, it's watchable. I mean, it's. I was thinking a couple episodes of Breaking Bad, I was thinking that the script must be like a paragraph because sometimes no words are said and nothing is happening other than, you know, somebody is looking at something for five minutes or <laughs> there's a lot of moments on the show where like absolutely nothing has happened except for the actor is being fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's like the only thing that's happening on the screen is great acting and nothing else. And many episodes are just like that. And that's what I like about it, I guess. Yeah, but you still need scene direction. You still need that interior day uh, school classroom. (laughs) Beakers are boiling. Mr. White walks in and says, all right, kids, I'm kind of having a lousy day. Just we're watching a movie and they're like, yeah. And then it's, you know, uh, now it's scene direction as – Disney's headless horseman plays in the background. Walter White thinks and ponders. Should he get into selling meth? Will he have anything to leave his family once he dies of this unrelenting cancer? Oh, why? Oh, why? In this, you hear, you can like feel him think this. I can't believe the government. I know they have the cure, but they just want to keep selling us the treatment. You got it, man. I I wanted to bring this up earlier in the episode. I'm going to bring it up now. Did you hear about what Nickelodeon did yesterday? No. During during like their prime viewing hour, um, when they knew all the kids would be home from school, everybody's watching. The the most amount of eyeballs were on Nickelodeon. They ceased all programming for, what was it, eight minutes and 46 seconds? Um, The amount of time that, you know, George Floyd was murdered yeah um and the message that they they put on the screen was just basically like a message of just hope for the kids just basically telling all their viewers like we see you we know what's going on in the world you have rights as kids you have a right to a peaceful world um you have a right to you know honest an honest police force and it was strong it was strong what they did i thought and i didn't hear anything about it other than like nothing other than me talking about it right now. And I thought it was amazing that they did that, that they had the foresight to, it was a powerful message. You should look it up and read it yourself. Cause they just, it was like maybe five sentences that paraphrase what I just said. And then they just put those five sentences like on a loop for that amount of time. And then they went back to their programming. They've done that a couple times, I believe in the past few years, like Nickelodeon's become uh, as inclusive as a multi-conglomerate Viacom-owned thing can be. And it's like, are yep. they adapting or are they being genuine? It's I, I think 
they're being genuine for the most part. I do too. But yeah, I'm I've been in I enjoy Nickelodeon and their strong stances on yeah. social wrongdoings. I agree. And even even if it was a uh, a corporate message that was self-serving, it's still anybody who read it would probably agree that it was it seems very heartfelt and it seems very genuine mm-hmm. and if it's not then they did a good job of faking it oh uh, yeah it's very <laughs> genuine because pony was playing in the background <laughs> hey uh are we done with talking about the uh the breaking of the world yeah I we're on to we the are. no no no. We're, we were talking about the full montaners oh yeah yeah, yeah. fall of um, montaner well, however you say it yeah, this is basically a turn, another turning of the wheel. We see like that there's a big Trolloc army. The king is defeated. His crown is thrown into the river. And then years and years later, a young boy pulls the crown from the river. Mm-hmm. Is it Rand? I don't know. But yeah, the wheel turns. And then the last and one, the White Tower. I'm clapping because this is my favorite one. This one gave us the most information. And I'll go over it with you. Um, so they talk about the white tower after the breaking. This is when the white tower was built after the breaking of the world. Reason being protect the world. These men need stilling. So they build it right there, right at the feet of dragon Mount, which dragon Mount is, you know, like a a feared place. That's where the evil is going to be coming from. But they, they built the white tower right there, right in front of it. So it's the first thing that evil has to face is them. When you go into the White Tower as a young woman, uh, you'll start out as a novice. Uh, You'll work your way up to the accepted. It could take 20, 30, 40 years to become an accepted. And even after you become an accepted, you might not make it up to be an Aes Sedai. You might be accepted until you die. But if you do make it up to be an Aes Sedai, you must take the three oaths on the oath rod. Um, You know, the three oaths that you cannot lie. Don't make a weapon that's can kill somebody and you hook up and you don't kill your sisters. You're, you're a great person. You're bound by these magical oaths. These aren't just words you say, like they make like a King Sam and you're it, the magic is worked into your bones. So you cannot say a lie physically cannot, you physically cannot hurt one of your sisters. It just, you can't do it. Um, so once you become that, then you're given your shawl and you get to choose your Aja. Now you get to choose like which house you're going to be in. If you want to be in the battle, you go for the green Aja. If you want to stop men from channeling and you want to keep track of that side end we were talking about, uh, you go to the red Aja. If you are a history buff and you like learning about stuff, you go to the brown Aja. If you're a good diplomat, you can talk to other people, talk to kings, do some shady deals like we did with SinEnergy.net. Uh, you want to be a gray Aja in that case. Uh, if you're a truth and justice warrior, you go for the blue Aja, like our friend Moraine. If you're into knowledge, truth, and reason, and you want to read books all day, you're going to be in the white Aja. And lastly, if you want to be a healer and you want to heal people and your specialty is that, you go for the yellow Aja, kind of like doctors, I guess. One color we didn't mention, and they didn't mention in the show, is black. There is no black Aja, at least that we know of. If there was a black Aja, it sounds like it would be pretty evil, right? Maybe. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. Nothing's been said in the show yet about black Ajas, but makes me wonder. Black is a color. I wonder if there's any black Ajas out there. Hmm. Okay, well... Obviously there are, and obviously they must be evil because you weren't like, hey, they didn't mention, I don't know, metallic Aja. <laughs> they didn't mention purple Aja either, did they? Hmm. The metallic Aja is what happened like in the early 2000s, late 90s. They're like, hey, man, it's Aja metallics, baby. And they got their little uh, little metallic kits where they could bedazzle their, uh, their shawls. Yeah. It's, it's I Beetleborgs did it and Beast Wars did it. <laughs> they they did like, hey, it's the Metallics version of these guys, and somehow worked that into the show. That would be fun. I would I would welcome that. In this case, though, we got our we got our seven Aja. Um, once you choose your Aja, you might work your way up to be one of the three sitters of your Aja. Each of the Aja colors has. Three heads, they're called the sitters, and they're always around. Anytime you see like a meeting in the hall, there's going to be 22 people. Three from each Aja, that's 21 in total, and then the armorer and seat. Oh, and then the keeper as well, and that would be 23 people. Whatever. Anyway, 21 um, sitters are going to be in the hall there. And then the next step up from that, if you prove yourself to, or I should say, if you're around the White Tower and you're an Aes Sedai, when the Armorillon seat um, either passes away or is disposed or whatever, then you could work your way up as the most powerful channeler to be the Armorillon seat. The Armorillon seat is chosen for life, and we've met the Armorillon seat at this point. She's cool. Her name is Swan. She is an ex-fisherwoman. Um, so yeah, we live these, we don't, we're not Aes Sedai. These Aes Sedai live there at Tarvalon, at Dragon Mount, ready for the dragon to come. Nynaeve becomes a, the seat, doesn't she? She is nowhere at this point. She's not even a novice. No, she's I mean like in the, the, she's going to become that because it's foreshadowed that, uh, some, Something's going to happen with the current one in our show, and I think, oh, who's the most powerful one here? It's going to be Nanive, but that one lady who's a red is going to say, it's me, and then they're like, no, yeah. it's not. It's Nanive. She's the strongest, and then she says, I guess, all right, I, I still hate you guys, and they're like, actually, yeah, it's probably good that someone who hates our organization is at the top, so like, <laughs> there won't be corruption and uh, wrongdoings. Sounds like an apt prediction. I'm writing it down. I like it. And then there was Nine. one. Oh, since you get to choose what color you go to, I mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any times when it's like, hey guys, yeah, everyone seems to be wanting to go to the brown Aja, but like we, you, how about <laughs> maybe we're gonna start a program where for. Uh, one day a week, you get to go to each one and see you test the waters. Maybe brown's not for you. Maybe there is some other stuff you'd rather go to. <laughs> uh, you give me a great opportunity here. This happens. This the, the Aes Sedai are super political. When they see like a new novice come in, everybody's got their eye on these new recruits. Let's see what they can do. Let's see how they excel. And they begin immediately 
working their little politics mm. to try to like lure them into their Aja. You remember Leandrin did that when she was like, oh, you know, it seems like you're hanging out with Moraine, but us Reds, mm-hmm, okay. we got something in common with you. Yeah, that's what they always try to do. So like, I don't think that's going to happen. What you were saying, like everybody goes to the Greys. That's probably where I would go more than likely the Greys or the Browns. And there's, you know, say like no reds left or no whites left. It's just not going to happen. I mean, they, these sitters that are these three sitters that are the head of each Aja, they're, they're pretty steeped in politics and they're pretty good at, uh, at the whisper campaigns. Okay. (laughs) And that's it guys. Those are the six ones that are there. Yeah, that's them. Um, I'm going to ask you at this point, James. Could you, this is, uh, this is putting you on the spot, but I love doing that. As of right now, you saw season one, you've seen these origin stories. There's really nothing you can get spoiled by at this point. You might get spoiled by the ending of the whole series, Mm -hmm. which actually is, is not a terrible thing because this story, like many other stories, is more about the journey and more about, you know, uh, all the characters coming together. And it's just fascinating that 2,700 characters can all come together in unison in such a perfect way in this in this book. So even if you were spoiled by the end, I don't think it would affect you. Yeah. Like at all. I don't think it would stop any of your enjoyment. That being said... What, how do you think this is all going to end? Do you have any sort of prediction going forward? I know you just said, I've, I got you on record saying Nynaeve is going to be the Armorillon seat. Uh, I think I got you on record. You're like, well, the show has already told us like Rand is, you know, the dark one. Dragon. Do you have any? Dra- <laughs> yes. Thank you. Unless you, you just spoiled um, something for me. I did not. Okay, good. Um, do you have any other predictions of or do you do you see something happening that looks painfully obvious to you? I mean, what's probably going to happen is it, I don't know how far the series will go, but my guess is that we'll have another breaking of the world and then it restarts again. Okay, fair, yeah, because that is what the show is called—the Wheel of Time. <laughs> um, yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, I think that you know if they do this show right. It, it can't Game of Thrones on us because Game of Thrones was like just had a terrible ending um, and it ruined everything. I think in this show, if it's done right, they they can't ruin it because the ending is already written. Mm-hmm. It's there in the book. And this show is not about or this series is not necessarily about the ending. It's about what happens as the wheel turns. So I don't think there's any way they can really like mess that up in this show. If they do it right. It's going to be an enjoyable ride the whole time. I f- there is one way they could mess it up, and that is if they uh, do it 100% animated like they did with these origin <laughs> stories. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, man. Um, hey, we skipped the book corner this week. How did we do that? Books. Check them out. Books. Check them out. Pick up a book. You got a fantasy? Imagination can take you to where you want to be. Are you curious? How can you find out? Books. Check them out. Books. Check them out. Read about stars and cars, play electric guitars, or cops that work hard, patrolling the boulevard, the heavyweight champ, and as crazy as Bob. Books. Check them out. Books. Check them out. At your library. 
Uh, because I, you referenced cinematography, and I wanted to go directly into the cinematography of this show. Well, the only book corner I was going to talk about this week, and it feels really weird to do it at the end. I might do some fancy editing and like put this over towards the beginning of the show, but I might not do that either. Um, the only book I wanted to bring up was, and I will pause for one second while I go grab it. No, it's the Beastie Boy book. Oh, hell yeah, dude. This book kicks. It is so huge. Very big book. $50 new. I would not recommend buying it new because this book was put out about two years ago. Mm-hmm. So the used bookstores are full of this book now. So you can find this Beastie Boy book, the hard copy in a used bookstore for probably like 20 bucks. Have you looked through this yet or read it yet or heard about it? I've heard about it. I have not read it, but I have seen the documentary that is like a truncated version of that book. Yeah. They have an audiobook version of this, which I think is free to download anywhere. And of course, the audiobook version has is full of songs. It's um, whoever wrote the chapter is going to be reading the chapter. So it's not just written by, you know, the guys from the Beastie Boys. It's also the guys from Run DMC, LL Cool J's in here. Um, Kate from the original Beastie Boy lineup is in here a lot. Um, you know, she was the original Beastie Girl, but she was mm-hmm. still a Beastie Boy. Um, you know, they're producers, they're engineers, they're fans, like there's aspects of every part. And like this book is just every page is like another cool picture by their photographers. Um, it's cool picture after cool picture, cool story after cool story. If you're a rap fan at all, and especially about like the history of rap from the early eighties, I mean, this goes through it. It goes through like the very beginnings of rap and Mm -hmm. it's a great book. Does Rick Rubin have a chapter that starts out, man, this was the worst time of my life. I actually had to work. Yep. He had to put on his shoes and do some work. Yes, absolutely. He has a reference in here a lot of times because he's a a big friend of the Beastie Boys. Dude sucks Uh, now. Eh, well, whatever. Uh, (laughs) I'm not, I mean, I'm saying whatever because I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, I do agree with you. I just don't want to, I just don't have as strong of opinion, I guess, about it. But uh, yeah, did you, uh, have you done any reading this week? I mean, I technically went over my stuff already. It was, uh, I read all the radioactive men that I had. Oh, yeah. So yeah, James, as usual, you're the pro. You've already you've already done the book corner back at minute 10, uh-huh. and I'm here at minute 70 doing my book corner. This is awful. I got to get it together, man. But what <laughs> you can get together is those sweet, sweet plugs. Yes, we got, oh my God, the biggest plug of the day has got to be Indica Inch, Marshland Monster, and Howard Kramer, Dragon Boy Suede. Um, I also want to plug... Sinnation.net, S-Y-N nation.net. I keep wanting to say Sin Network because that's what it stands for. Synergy Nation Network is what the whole name is, but they call Sin Nation for short. That's my other plug. Um, So those are my two plugs. I'm plugging Marshland Monster's new song and I'm plugging my new network. How about you, James? Hey guys, go over to MLMPod.com to find out information about my other podcasts such as Mostly Speaking Sentai, Hit It and Crit It, and Shuffling the Deck. Ooh baby, ooh baby. You can listen to those wherever podcasts are found or go to that website for links to your podcast app. 
You can also find my music, Marshland Monster, three words, wherever music is found or over on MLMPod.com. And if you really want to support myself and my friends, head over to Patreon.com forward slash MLMPod, where for $5 a month, you get exclusive podcasts every single Friday. And if you're a $10 patron, you get shout outs on our free feed podcast, as well as our previous watch alongs play-alongs to game shows that we've watched along to, as well as streams, but we're starting a new thing for our $10 patrons called Straight to Patreon, where we have friends over for a dinner and a movie, and that movie is a direct-to-video or straight-to-video film, and then we talk about it afterwards in a very loose format, just as if we're friends talking (laughs) about a movie after watching it, because that's what it is. That will fit. That would fit right in well with the uh, with the SinNation.net network because they do a, they do something similar too. Your Patreon. Um, I'm a member of the Patreon. I always say that, and I'm glad I am because we get the Sam and Max. That's a Patreon only podcast. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Death yep. from Above, a Sam and Max podcast. Death from Above, and for what I understand, there's a fellow named Steve Barnes that's going to be a guest on that upcoming. The only way to hear that is to be a Patreon of James's. So do yep. it. Check it out, baby. Yep, and that's all we got this week. Uh, thank you once again to SendNation.net. Thank you once again to Marshland Monster and MLMPod.com. And James, I hope up there in Chicago, it's it's a hot summer. It's going to be even hotter. I'm hearing warnings that, that global warming is off the charts, and we're going to have a sweltering of a summer. I read an article this morning about our weather predictions. It's going to be super hot. But for you, I hope that you always find some cool water and some nice shade. As you find those as well, but real quick, it's like uh, under 70s for like two weeks. Hell yeah, baby. (laughs) Yes, enjoy it. So everybody, have a good one. Till next time, sweet shot of time. Bye-bye. Bye.